Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast with three dreamy hosts. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who has no control over his drives. Oh, God, that's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who could improve his putting skills. Absolutely. Always could improve that. Trey Newman. <laughs> you seemed reluctant to admit it, but yeah. <laughs> all right. No, no. I, it's, uh, on today's it's, episode. It's a legit criticism. <laughs> oh, maybe you hit too close to home. Uh, anyway, today's episode, we are going to cover some good news and bad news that's come out the last week. And then together, we're all going to create the College Football Bros 2020 Dream Team. Uh, but first, we have a five-star review. Yes, we do. From uh, Ohio State Fan 101. Uh, he says, Scope Buckeyes is a title. He says, I am sad for the Big Ten, uh, but I had an idea of all conferences going into their own bubble, playing conference only. What do you guys think? I mean, I wish a, a bubble was a little bit more feasible in, in college football. It's proving to to work. The NBA, NHL, MLS did the did the same. And but just the logistics of it seemed too much. Coordinating a spot for 10 to 14 teams full of 100 players plus coaches, and they're going to be away from families for a couple months. It just just doesn't seem too realistic. And then then you have to have a location where there's enough like fields or stadiums to play. You need at least four or five, I would say, in order to play on a weekend. And they need a bunch of testing, uh, places to eat, activities. Uh, and the money is to study and attend virtual classes. That. Yeah, lots of money. I just, I would love it, and it, it's seeming like it would work, but it just doesn't seem too feasible at this point. Okay. Uh, thanks for the review. Uh, we also got an email uh, about Mike Gundy, and it says, "Bros, my name is Brian, and I'm a graduate of Oklahoma State University. I love my school and my home state, but I will admit that there are times when the school and football team drive me insane." But at the end of the day, I'll always support them. We know a little bit about that with Nebraska. Yeah. Um, I've got a question for your next podcast. Back in April, Gundy said that the season should be played. And from what I gathered, he got trashed by the media for it. We fast forward a few months and the Big 12, SEC, and ACC are making plans to play the season while the Big 10 and Pac-12 aren't. Needless to say, people seem pretty happy that the season is somewhat still going to happen. And Justin Fields even started a petition to have the Big Ten play this year, yet we don't see slash hear much criticism about people wanting to play now. Why do you think Gundy took so much heat back in April, and yet four months later, schools are making plans to play this fall? Thanks for your time, Brian. So what do you think, Ryan? Ryan? Well, I, you know, it's it seems like the, the, the argument is kind of the same, but if you, th- you got to take yourself back to April, you know, I think that's kind of the main deal when Gundy was saying those things like April was when we were about as high alert as ever for, you know, the, the this pandemic, uh, you know, March Madness had just been canceled. And really, no, I mean, not a ton of people, everybody was disappointed by that. But like, nobody was really like up in arms saying like, you know, how could they have made that decision? They shouldn't have canceled NCA. I mean, I'm sure there were a few, but like, the vast majority was like, we get it, you know. Um, so, you know, that was just kind of the time where everybody just was on that mindset. Um, so Gundy saying that during then wasn't ideal. And then he also just had some really strong like takes. I mean, 
Uh, he went a little far with it, kind of accusing the media of being super negative, uh, saying, you know, they needed to get uh, back so that they could get the money flowing into the state. Um, that was the big, just that was a, the big quote that people, yeah, that's I mean, there was a few just things, not but a that was look. the big one. Yeah. And then, you know, of course he had the, the uh, incident with the, the, you know, with the, he ended up clearing it up, but he had that OAN shirt or whatever. And, uh, just, you know, some issues going on there. But I really think it was just the time frame. So, you know, now, I mean, I guess comparing it to now. So, even though we're kind of in, even in a worse place with the pandemic, I mean, it's more widespread I, than it was back then. Yeah, there's less. There. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's we're having a little second spike. That's for sure. I shouldn't say little. Yeah, we're having just, a second spike. It's not like it's gone away at all. It's, it's so it's, uh, it's, it's definitely out there. I think people are just not in high as high of alert and they're more, ex- I guess, maybe just getting used to it a little bit. But I don't know. For the whole people getting on one side or the other, I'm I'm not educated enough to make the decision on whether it's, you know, safe to play or not. And I would argue about 99% of us are probably in the same boat. Um, so I just don't think it's like an, on my best interest to come out and say like, oh, the Big Ten and Pac-12 are idiots for not playing. Um, just like I can't say, you know, the Big 12, Pac-10 are, are correct for not playing. You know, so it's just, I, all I know is I want to watch football. I love football. So... I'm disappointed it's not going to happen, but I'm not going to yeah. get up in arms either no. way. Yeah, we're all obviously bummed. I don't know if that came through as as much as uh, we, I guess, wanted in, in last episode, but it sucks that the, the Big Ten and Pac-12 aren't going to play I this mean, We literally do a college football podcast. We, we <laughs> yeah, love I mean, the content. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's get into some good news uh, first before we get to the bad news. A saliva-based COVID-19 test developed at Yale received approval from the FDA on Saturday, and the test is more accurate than any current saliva test. It's expected to be cost-effective around, I guess, less than $20, and the results could potentially be available in as short as a few hours. Uh, So what do you think? You think this uh, gives us hope for, I don't know, the fall season or the spring season? What are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, I don't want to come across here as pessimistic, but I just, I don't think it's enough to, to save the season, at least for sure in the fall. I mean, maybe, um, maybe come, come springtime, but obviously one of the biggest challenges is getting the players tested and, and enough and have it at, be at a reasonable cost so that these schools could afford it. Um, so this new test, it's very encouraging, especially for the general public. Um, but I think it's a little bit more than just the testing that's going to save football. I mean, it's still the liability. They don't want a player to get it and have complications and potentially sue. The conferences aren't admitting that, but the writing's kind of on the wall. Um, you know, and, and besides, even though it is a, a great test, it's still just a test. It's not going to do anything to minimize the risk of, of contracting, uh, COVID. So there's still going to be a bunch of players in close proximity as well as some of the student body on campus. So I, I love the test factor, but. As far as it's saving the season, I don't see that at this point. Yeah, that's the thing. The fact that it's it's not like it doesn't prevent anything. I mean, you it know, can help it, limit it can, a spread. You know, it, if you, it totally. can help limit a spread uh, for sure. But I mean, are these are these tests going to be every single day? Uh, I don't think they'll be. They would be every single day. So I mean, if you go a couple days, maybe it moves around. I don't know. But yeah. I I just don't think it's enough. I mean, so soon. Like we're here. Football yeah, that, time. That's is the thing is I haven't here. seen. I. I I tried to look into it and I didn't see a timeline as to when this test could be available, you know, at the yeah. universities. It seems I just guessing it seems pretty quick to to be able to have it available within the next few weeks or so. 
Um, but maybe the spring, I don't know. You know, that, that I know spring season, a lot of people think is unlikely anyway, but if you can get testing like this, that at least improves the chance. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it helps for the, the case for spring. Uh, okay. On to the bad news. Unfortunately, uh, the NCAA has canceled all fall championships. The decision doesn't affect FBS football because the NCAA doesn't run the college football playoff. But NCAA chief medical officer Brian Hainline said, right now, if testing stays as it is, there's no way we can go forward with sports. And at OU, after two weeks of zero positive tests, they had nine players test positive for COVID-19. This came after Lincoln Riley gave the players the week off, but that also coincided when other students arrived on campus. And then finally, at the University of North Carolina, they made a move to go to all online instruction for undergrads after 130 students tested positive in the first week since classes began. So what you guys, Notre Dame just got added to that list. Did Notre Dame as well? And And Michigan Michigan State? State, Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. What's, uh, what's, what are your thoughts on that? Um, on what now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just, it's all all that news going all online. Them going online, I think it's, it's, I, we kind of already prefaced it at the beginning saying it's just, it's bad news, man. It's bad news. You can't, I don't know how you can have online classes, all online classes while still holding just for football. You know, it's, to me, it seems like it's, if it's, sta- it's, it's, it's got to be safe for all the students to be at the school. If it's not, I don't see how they can realistically, uh, have football. Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean we've I, talked about that's it one argument. The, the argument. Um, Go ahead, go Mike. ahead, Trey. Okay. All right. So Are we on no, a big delay here. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> anyway, uh, what I was going to say is it is a tough sell. I'll say that it's a tough sell if, if let's say, let's just say every college went all online, except they were allowing the athletes to stay on campus. It's a tough sell mm-hmm. to say, oh, are they just regular students? You know, all the other students are at home. But of course, we know they aren't regular students. Um, at least that's not the way they're, they're treated by the schools. So, um, it might actually make it safer if all the students are, are taking classes online, not as many students on campus, then you do get a little bit of that bubble for the athletes that are on campus. Because before these students have come, there's a lot of schools that have been doing a good job of, you know, having zero positive tests or at least minimal positive yeah, no, tests. A lot of them had been doing well. For yeah. Sure. So if, if students aren't going to be coming to campus as much as we thought, Maybe that's a good sign for football. Uh, I don't know. Uh, obviously, it's bad news, but I'm just kind of looking I, at the I, implications. I feel like there could also be an argument from the side of like the students that aren't able to attend, but yet this, the athletes are able to be on on school campus. You know, like there would be some. I would think there would be some little bit of outcry from those non athletes, like say, "Well, why can't we be on campus and get in person instruction like the athletes?" I don't know, just one side of the thing. I, I well, they'd they still be it. getting, I mean, they'd want... still be taking classes online, the students. Or no, the, I, the I hear you. Yeah. Gotcha, right. I guess right. The, the, one, the one thing, though, that out of all this, all of this is bad news, and it just sucks, and it never seems like we really get good news. Um, but it is, like, pretty telling that the NCAA blatantly said that if all other athletes, they deeming it not safe for them to play, then it seems a little harder to to comprehend the football players playing, but... I'm not a doctor. Like, hey, maybe it's maybe it's feasible. I would let's let's make it happen. Let's roll it out and maybe at least try it and see what happens. But it's just it just sucks. All the bad news. It just never gets better. I know. I know. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, 
we're we're past that now. Let's uh, ignore that bad news for now, I guess. Uh, so we're gonna do we're gonna create a dream team. So we're gonna build this team together. The goal is to just create the best team possible for this upcoming season, and we're gonna include the Pac-12 and Big Ten, just because at least the plan for now is that they'll they'll play in the spring. And uh, for this exercise. We're not necessarily going to choose the best available player every time because we're trying to build a real team. So you might, um, you know, maybe you already have a workhorse back. So then the next guy wants to take a third down back, something like that. So um, let's do it. Let's uh, let's start. Let's start with a head coach. Trey, who's going to be our head coach? All right. So I'm going to lead us off with I want my team to have James Franklin. No, I know that was, it was too easy. You guys could have easily predicted that James Franklin or Dan Mullen, uh, good options, but no, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I want to sell this team. I want people to watch Lincoln Riley will be our, our head coach fun to watch. Um, and since it's only this season, I'm not really focused on, you know, a program builder or a leader like, you know, Saban or Dabo. I want someone who's really hands-on with a unit and, and on the team. So we're going to have Lincoln Riley. Oklahoma's right. coach. That's, okay. Sounds Ryan, good. that makes your uh, offensive coordinator pick maybe not quite as important. I know. I'm <laughs> like, uh, well, it's just, it's just moot. I guess my guy will just be, I don't know. He'll help him out. There as a figure. Not really that important. But uh, my OC, I was going to go with um, Graham Harrell uh, at USC now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you go back a year, I mean, USC's offense was bad. I mean, they were not good under T. Martin. 84th in total offense in 2018 and wow. they jumped up all the way to the top 20 uh last year and you know need i remind you both the years they had true freshman quarterbacks so it wasn't like harold was given a uh you know significant edge over t martin so yeah i think harold came in and is a i think he's a up-and-comer he'll be a head coach in no time yeah it is crazy because i was looking at this too as uh, who would i choose as offensive coordinator and even as a usc fan i didn't go into it thinking Oh yeah, Graham Harrell might be the best offensive coordinator in the country. But I know. when you look at it, he's he's got an argument for sure. It's uh it kind of surprised me how it came up to that. I was expecting something else, but yeah, you know, all these good offenses like, you know, you go to OU, you know, it's because of Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. you know, it's just Ohio like Ohio State, so, Ryan Day. Ohio it's State, Ryan all the Day. great offensive coaches, yeah. you get a head coaching job really quickly. So that's I think the reason why there aren't a ton of proven great OCs right now. Yep. Mhm. Uh, okay. Defensive coordinator. This one is pretty easy. Uh, Brent Venables of Clemson just year after year. And right now we don't know the players that are going to be on the team on this defense, but it doesn't matter. No matter who Brent Venables loses, he adjusts and they're always a a top five defense. So he is, uh, is the DC. Uh, let's, let's get to the players. Then we got quarterbacks. So we're going to take, let's take three quarterbacks. Okay. Okay. I'll lead us off then. Uh, you know, with, with Lincoln Riley and Graham Harrell, my quarterback's going to succeed no matter who it is. Like <laughs> you could roll me out there and I think I would, I'd be a finalist, but, uh, no, I'm going to go Justin Fields, Ohio state mm. quarterback. I mean, they're going to use dual, uh, his dual threat ability really well. Uh, with, I mean, with these minds on offense, I just wanted a quarterback that's versatile and can scare defenses with the arm and legs. Okay, I I agree with that sentiment, and which is why I'm also going to take Trevor Lawrence. He can do it's it an as easy well. one too. I mean, he proved he can run as well. Maybe even better than Fields last year. I mean, I know Fields was limited, but 
Yeah. yeah. Anyways, Lawrence's, those those were the easy two. So now yeah. the third one, Mike, that one's the interesting choice. Exactly. So we're set with those two guys. Like those are the two best quarterbacks in the country. They they can do it all. I just, I don't need to be safe here. I, I don't have to just take a Sam Howell or something like Mikhail that. Mikhail Cunningham. What's that? Mikhail Cunningham. I'm, no, I'm not going to take them, but sort of Ooh. along those lines, I'm taking someone who we can put in maybe a package for him and the, a wildcat package, maybe some trick plays. Derek King of Miami. Um, uh, yeah, I just chose the, the best athlete. He's not the third best quarterback, but we've already got two studs, so we, sure. can, we can use his skill set. Mm. Yeah, get some use out of him. That's good. I like it. Okay, moving on to running backs, Ryan. Who's, who's the first running back we're taking? Uh, to me, this was between two guys, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll just say my guy here. I, I'm going with Travis Etienne. Uh, mm-hmm. I think he is the best. Uh, he's got the combination of everything that you want. He's extremely fast. He's got good strength. Uh, led the nation in yards per carry. And then two straight years, he's gone over 1,600 yards. And I mean, he could have easily got way more than that if you know they would have just given him a little more carries. He has very low usage. Uh, but you know, I guess why wear him down when... Mm-hmm. You're up by 30. Exactly. Okay. So you've got, I, I got the second pick for us here. You got an every down back there. We're, we're yeah. set with Travis Etienne and I'm going to leave Trey. He can take another, you know, all American type guy. I'm going to go a little bit further down the list, a guy that can fill a role. I'm going with Max Borgie from Washington state. Oh yeah. So, you know, third and long, third and medium. He can, he can help in pass protection and obviously catch it out of the backfield. That's the big reason I'm taking him. 86 receptions last year, almost 600 yards. And it's not like, I mean, he's a good runner too. 6.4 yards per yeah, carry. He is. Breaks a lot of tackles. He's uh, he's going to be a role player for us. He's shifty, fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's. I, I, I like him. Now, we're we're eliminating like the Mac, right? We're, we're no Mac here. No, you, no, you can take anyone. Anyone. Oh, take they, any, yeah, right. The other thing is we're not taking players that uh, have already taking announced. Jared, Jared, Jared Patterson? Yeah, we're not taking players that have announced they're sitting out the season. Yeah, so you know, the the marquee guy left is probably Chuba Hubbard. Um, he's a workhorse, reliable. But I wanted mm-hmm. to give some love or to Najee someone Harris. else. I wa- yeah. True, I wanted to give some love to someone else. And Ryan, you got Jarrett Patterson of Buffalo. He just doesn't get a lot of love, but he is graded very well as one of the top running backs in most metrics, including Pro Football Focus. Um, he, it's going to be, he's perfect for our system because actually pro football focus actually has him as the, the best running back in run pass options. And so with Lincoln Riley, we'll definitely be doing that. Graham Harrell, uh, he had over 300 carries last year. And as Ryan's well aware in one game, he led the NCAA with six touchdowns in a game last year and 298 yards in a that, game. Uh... Was that the game where he had, uh, I was going up against you in fantasy and I had I, Jared Patterson, I think. I, you know, that was last year. <laughs> I, I don't really remember. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. That's an interesting running back core, but Trey and I went a little, little different, but off the radar. It's good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. So no Chuba Hubbard, Oklahoma State, no Najee Harris, Alabama, but that Oklahoma State fan's going to kill us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, no, he's, he's worthy. He would have been a, a legit yeah. pick. We just, we had our every down back, so went <laughs> a little different, but okay. Uh, wide receivers, we're going to take four, and my first pick here is Jamar Chase from LSU. I just think he's the best receiver in the country. And with Joe Burrow, 
obviously he was great last year, but when he threw to Chase, he didn't really have to be great. He could just put it anywhere in the vicinity and he would adjust. He would, you know, catch it at its highest point. He was incredible. Yeah, that's a, that's a good pick. Obvious pick. Okay. Second pick. I got Devontae Smith staying in the SEC, Alabama. He's just, he's so quick. His after the catch ability is second to none. I mean, he actually produced more yards after catch than CD Lamb did last year, which was kind of surprising to me. Uh, and I also love him because of what he did on a stacked receiving core last year. Remember that he had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy. They both went to the NFL this year, first round, second round picks. Like, if that was for him to put up the production he did with those guys on the team, pretty remarkable. Yeah, I feel like not a people, not a lot of people realize that he led Alabama in receiving yards last year. I but, did because he was also on my fantasy team. But yeah. okay, yeah, excellent. Yeah, all right, <laughs> just all right. Who's the Anywho, third pick, Ryan? I, I want to take Rondell Moore. I want to take Rondell Moore, but I can't. He, he's yeah, he's no. Out. He'd be the perfect compliment. Out. You know, he's the per, you know he so. Okay, I guess I'll pick uh, Tylen Wallace. Um, you know, if he didn't get hurt, uh, he would have likely been have two straight years over thirteen hundred yards. Um, and go back two years ago, he led the nation uh, with the most twenty plus yard catches. So he can take the lid off the top of the defense and open things up for the underneath guys, uh, make your offense that much better. So Tylen Wallace is he's a you know he's he's awesome. So I'll take him as my number three. Okay, so we got Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Tylen Wallace. Hmm. I'm between two guys right now. I'm between Tutu Atwell from oh, yeah. Louisville and Jalen Waddle at Alabama. I think I'm just going to go with Waddle. I mean, he's the perfect fit as a slot receiver. I think he's the best slot receiver in college football. Insanely fast. I think he's arguably the best player in the open field in college football. I think he's a a good fit. Yeah. There's a lot of good options at receiver, man. There are. There are. Daz Newsome, North Carolina. What'd you say, Ryan? Tammy and Terry. Yeah, Tamari and Terry, Florida State. Mm -hmm. George Pickens, Georgia. A lot of guys. Sage Surratt, Wake Forest. Yeah. SC's got a couple. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. We do. Uh, Okay. Tight ends. Who's our first tight end, Trey? We'll take three. All right. I'm staying in the Big 12 for mine right here. Charlie Kohler. He, uh, one of Brock Purdy's favorite targets. 51 catches last year as a sophomore. He was all Big 12. He actually led Iowa State in receiving touchdowns. And we're just going to post him up. He's got a 6'6", 250-pound frame. Uh, I think he's only going to improve in his junior year. And all those touchdowns came against Big 12 teams. Okay, uh, good pick. I'm going to take Pat Fryermuth, Penn State. He's a potential first-round pick, great pass catcher, solid blocker. He's got to be one of the three. Yeah, Fryermuth was – I thought you were going to take this other guy at, at two, but uh, I'll happily take him. Uh, Kyle Pitts from yeah. Florida. I mean, he, he's kind of the – I guess the Darren Waller of uh, – he's kind of got the same build as Waller. Uh, he led led Florida uh, in receptions last year with 54. You know, he's got the six six height too. He's just that to- prototypical receiving tight end. Uh, in today's game and even he uh, he's a pitch chance at a first round pick himself he's in a lot of first round mock drafts so there's mm-hmm. some uh some good tight ends coming in this year yeah because there there were i think maybe five guys i considered for for this got brant keithy at utah was another guy yeah. um and then brevin jordan at miami 
Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Good group. It's a really good group. Great group. Great group of guys. (laughs) Okay. Offensive line. We'll start with the tackles. Let's take uh, two starters and a backup. Okay, go this first, is the Ryan. easy one of the easy one oh, yeah. of the day. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> don't even need to mention it. Uh, yeah, Oregon offensive lineman Pinay Sewell. He is uh, just the highest rated pro football focus uh, tackle ever. Last year he was like ninety five point five, top five pick for sure. I mean, he is he's the best lineman in the America. There's no really no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would have been a top top pick this yeah. past year if he if he could have easy gone. Um, all right, so that was the the slam dunk of the group. I'm gonna go with Samuel Cosme of Texas. He's good. He uh he could have gone pro as well last year. He opted to to come back. He was rated very high by Pro Football Focus last year. He only allowed one sack on 595 pass block snaps. It's pretty pretty good and rate. Ellinger is known to hold on to the ball for a little while. True. Okay. All right. Well, then our uh, our backup tackle is going to be Alex Leatherwood from Alabama. Didn't give up a sack last year at left tackle. And the reason I like him as a backup here is he used to be a guard, so he's got the the versatility if if someone else yes. goes down. Yep. Fair. Okay, moving on to guards. We're guards. <laughs> uh, first pick here, not quite as easy as Penny Sewell, but pretty easy. Wyatt pretty Davis easy. from Ohio State. First team All-American last year. Don't see why he wouldn't do the same this year. He didn't even allow yeah. a hit on the quarterback last year. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's not bad, man. Uh, that is, uh, that is yeah. good. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with, uh, now it's where it gets a little a little shaky about who mm-hmm. is this, the second guy. Um, but I'm going to go with a, a fellow, a, a new a Trojan, Michael. I'm going to take uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, he only allowed one pressure uh, last year on the pass block attempt. So, I mean, he was, USC is definitely lucky to have him back. Um, he's going to oh, anchor yeah. that offensive line for a great, great looking offense. So, uh, he would be my, my, uh, my, what was my left guard? Wyatt's, I think, was a right yeah. guard. And I think Elijah is a left. So, another, uh, that's yeah. Elijah Vera Tucker, another, uh, swing guy. Cause he's going to, he's going to play likely left tackle for USC this year. So he can play guard or tackle. I thought he was going to do that, but he's, he's a guard, man. He, he's going to be, he was pretty good at guard. <laughs> yeah. He's a pro guard. In the NFL, he's going to be a guard. All right. So we've got a couple good pass protectors. I'm going to go with a guy that can help establish the run. And I'm going to Air Force. Nice. Air Fo- Nolan Laufenberg. Yeah. He's he's one of the best run blockers out there. Obviously, considering when you're, you're at Air Force, you're going to run the ball. But with our elite stable of running backs, these guys are going to love running behind him. And I kind of read up about him. It's pretty amazing. He's he's really athletic, and I love that for for my offensive lineman. He played three sports in high school. He played uh, basketball, baseball, and football. So we've got an athlete on the line. All right, I like it. Uh, okay, how about center? You're up first, All right. Trey. This I'll take it. Yeah, sticking with Oklahoma on this one, Creed Humphrey. Oh yeah, uh, he's projected to be a first, uh, maybe at worst a second round pick. He's been one of the best all-around centers in his career. Hasn't given up a sack in his career. I know he's had some great quarterbacks behind him, but still remarkable. And uh, that's they. I think that's over. They said it was over 900 pass attempts. So yep. pretty ridiculous. Yeah, Lincoln Riley since his freshman year has been singing his praises. He's ridiculous. Yeah, there, he's he got was a good name too. Hyped. Creed yeah. Humphrey. I like that name. Well, back in 2018. 
uh, I think that's when he was a freshman, right? Because he was a sophomore last year. So mm-hmm. uh, I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was playing with all those upperclassmen and when you, oh, you had that insanely good line. And I mean, he was elite. And then last year he, he took a little bit of a, he wasn't as good quite as last year, but I mean, he was still good, but not quite 2018, but can't blame him for the, you know, all the talent he had around him. Um, all right, my guy, I'm going to look to, uh, BYU, uh, James Empey, uh, pro football focus actually had him, uh, first in, uh, pass blocking and third in run blocking the last two years. So he's elite, uh, in both categories. Nobody really knows who he is. I'm sure that's the first time you guys maybe have heard of his name. <laughs> it was yeah. the first time I did too. I'm not saying I knew him before I looked up his <laughs> research. <laughs> uh, okay. couldn't come up with BYU center, but yeah, he's, he's supposedly a real good one. Okay, cool. Great offensive line there. Let's move on to the defensive line. And uh, we have a lot of good defensive ends to choose from. Who'd you, who'd you take first, Ryan? Yeah, this one was tough. Um, but I'm going to go, I'll go Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, I just feel like he could take that, that leap. Um, for oh, yeah. Most of the other guys, you kind of know what you're going to get. And I guess for Thibodeau, you know what you're going to get at least. You know you're going to get a very good player, but he could take a that next step. He had, he had, last year, he had nine sacks, 14 and a half tackles for loss as a true freshman. Uh, but he's just got everything you want. He's got the size. He's got the speed. Uh, yeah. so five-star guy. Five-star guy. He's got the pedigree. I mean, he could he could be the next Chase Young type he of ha- impact. Yeah, he has that a clowny-like potential too. Mm-hmm. So, and most yeah, of he, Thibodeau's he's a stu- production last year, most of, of his sacks were, were towards the end of the season. Obviously, that yeah. uh, Pac-12 championship, he was dominant against Utah. So he's... He's getting better and better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was green at the beginning, but he got better. Yeah, he'll be green. Solid. Oregon. Eh, a little stretch, but I'll give it to you. All right. I'm going to go the opposite coast. Quincy Roche of Miami. Uh, He was the the grad transfer from Temple. 19 tackles for loss. 13 sacks last year. He had a high pressure rate. His pressure pressure rate, that statistic, um, actually matched Chase Young last year. He, uh, without Rousseau this year playing, who's sitting out, like Roche could be just really dominant for that Canes D-line. Yeah, yeah. And and stepping up from from Temple to Miami, you know, AC, AAC to ACC. Sure. It's not, it's not, there could be bigger steps up. I, he'll, he'll still be great. Pretty so. close. All right, we got Thibodeau, Roche, third here. I'm going to take, this was, this was tough because those I thought were somewhat, clear top two you could argue i'm gonna go with carlos basham jr yeah i was gonna say uh, basham was right there for me from wake forest he 6'5 275 and he made bruce feldman's annual list of athletic freaks so he's you know he's got the speed he's got the the strength last year he had 57 tackles 18 tackles for loss 10 sacks three passes defended three forced fumbles he fills up the stat sheet a guy that big that's uh that's impressive Yep. Okay. Let's go to the interior of the line. I've got the the first choice. Pretty easy one. I'm going Marvin Wilson from Florida State. He could have been a first round pick if he went last year. It's kind of or definitely was a surprise that he came back. So he'll be he'll be dominant for Florida State. Yep, absolutely. So we've we've kind of talked about some good pass rushers on the the end and now Michael, you going with Wilson. Mm-hmm. I want more of a run stopper. Tyler Shelvin of LSU kind of fits Ooh, yeah. that that mold. He was rated as one of the top uh, run defenders last year. He was 
might have been the most productive lineman for LSU's championship team last year. Uh, he draws lots of double teams from O line, and he still excels. So I'm I'm going with Shelvin, big dude. Yeah, it's a big guy. Uh, all right, so you guys took a couple of big guys there. Um, really, Shelvin's the huge guy, but uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with uh, Jalen Twyman from Pitt. He's uh, I think he's sitting out this year. Son he did, of a he just gun, opted right. out. He just opted out. Yeah. Well, good thing I have another guy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Levi Anwuzawurke. Anwuzawurke, yeah. Anwuzawurke, yeah. I'm terrible with that. From UW. Uh, because he's he's got, he's kind of got the, uh, he can play both spots. Uh, he he really, I mean, he's been a dominant force for the Huskies the past couple of years, but he can play the nose tackle, which actually is probably his best position. Uh, he was graded out better there it's good against the run and the pass um so yeah on was okay okay you know maybe twyman will opt back in since he he can play on our team yeah that'd be nice yeah. Yeah. uh linebackers who is uh the first outside linebacker trey well linebacker obviously took a hit when we couldn't take micah parsons uh he's sitting out but still lots of good options i'm going to corvallis oregon state's hamika rashid he, nice. he had a huge year. I actually, I had fun watching him on some of those late Pac-12 games last year. He led college football with 22 and a half tackles for loss. He added 14 sacks. And even on a poor Oregon State team that didn't even go bowling, he was second team All-American. You know, on a more, you know, high profile team, he would have, you would think he'd be on the first team. But either way, he's a stud. He's going to get in the offensive backfield for us. Yeah. I'm taking Rashid. I would have, I would have taken the same pick. Second here, I feel like we've got a, a good amount of, of pass rushers between uh, Thibodeau, Roche, now uh, Hamaka Rashid. I'll go Nick Bolton from Missouri. He's more of a, I mean, he's he's very productive just all around, but he's more of a coverage guy. He had eight passes defended, two interceptions last year. He's considered maybe the best coverage linebacker in the country. Okay, good stuff. Uh, I'm between two guys here. Uh, I'll say I got Charles Snowden from uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. big dude, tall, and and uh, yeah, yeah, six six, and uh, Chaz Surratt, believe it or not, from okay. Hey, UNC. why don't you why don't you uh, why don't you go not go with Surratt? Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll go with Charles Snowden. <laughs> okay, Snowden then. <laughs> yeah, Charles Snowden, man, he's uh he's a beast. Seventy two tackles last year, five sacks. He's gotten a lot better each year, which is what I like. So he's a uh, I don't know, he's a big-time player that not, I guess, maybe enough people know about. Um, but he's uh, he's a big-time player and he's looking at a high draft pick himself. So uh, Plus, he's just he's so big, man. He's a scary linebacker. <laughs> okay, let's move to the inside. And Ryan, you have the first pick. We're going to take two inside linebackers here. I guess we're running 4-3 gotcha. or who knows? Who knows? Just it's our, what? whatever team we want. It's our <laughs> yeah. team. We've got <laughs> enough talent, I think. We're going 5-2 here. Um. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. I'll leave this off. I'm gonna go with uh, Patty Fisher from uh, Northwestern. Okay. All right. Yeah, he been there forever. Uh, feels like he he's, has been. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, but he's just a tackling machine. I want a guy that's gonna make sure my defense is all good to go, lined up. I want a leader. He's been there before. It'll be his fourth year, and he's played a ton, over 300 tackles in his career. So I I trust Patty Fisher in the middle. Okay. I didn't. I was expecting somebody else, so now I'm I'm in a pickle. So the reason I asked you not to take Chaz Surratt was because I was planning on taking him here as our 
our second inside linebacker. He's, he's a he's a great story. A great story because he yeah was, of course started yeah, his awesome. career as a quarterback last year switched to linebacker and first year 115 tackles 15 tackles for loss <laughs> ridiculous Just insane like and as a quarterback he was of course not at all an nfl prospect and now hand. he's no he huge... did what was it he did the push throw that's what he did oh yeah that's yeah. right he had a, <laughs> a a very low Big light fail. play where yeah. he basically tried to chess pass yeah. uh the ball as quarterback <laughs> and it just went straight to the defender for a pick six i think <laughs> <laughs> anyway it, things are things have gotten a lot better for yeah Surratt. turn around for him yeah. mac wow. brown made the right choice switching positions uh but the other guy though i see was dylan moses from alabama just a freak yeah, athlete former five-star recruit um i guess you know i just i like Chaz surratt so i'll say since we're only taking two middle inside linebackers uh and moses has the the health concerns i'll go i'll go Chaz surratt from north carolina awesome there you go okay time for the secondary and here's another we've had we've it seems like we say this every time easy picks but yeah uh mike well if micah parsons were healthy he would have been easy pick too but at corner Derek stingley at lsu is an obvious first pick as a true freshman last year he was already the best corner in the country just no need to explain this one yeah he is incredible he kind of that's crazy how he outshined like other like first round picks in his own backfield yeah and it's just it's like, crazy uh, that he has to stay for another year after this i know i was looking I know. You go to the mock drafts and it's like oh yeah stingley can't even come out yet no he seems to be one of those generational talents at, at corner mm-hmm. yeah. uh okay this, after the first one it gets a little little less obvious but i do have one here sean wade from uh, ohio state uh he improved a ton uh the past couple years um, he's a really good tackler, uh, which, you know, Stingley's more of a true cover guy. One another guy that, uh, can bring, bring the, bring the wood a little bit. Sean Wade's that guy. So just a long line of corners now going on at Ohio state. They get, they turn them out a, a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have. I'm going to go with another Oregon defender to add to, uh, Thibodeau, Javon Holland. Uh, he's regarded as maybe the top slot corner in the country. Uh, two years ago, he led the country in interceptions when, guarding the slot uh and he he was just one of the best players on a great oregon defense last year that won the rose bowl so we're we're gonna welcome holland to our team okay that makes safety uh a little easier too because he's you know safety he can play defend the slot as a corner he's he's versatile so uh let's let's go to safety and um trey you got the first pick again oh yeah i'll snake back well, you, you you mentioned the word versatile, and I want a versatile guy here at safety. I'm going to go Paris Ford mm. of Pitt. He He's known for being a hard hitter. He's feared in the ACC. I love that with my safeties. Uh, he led the Panthers in tackles, interceptions, first team all ACC, and he he can defend in coverage. He was uh, second on the team in passes defended, so he's a he can do it all. Kind of Swiss Army knife back there at safety. All right. Uh, good call there. Um, all right. You say a guy, Paris Ford, who can kind of bring the wood a little bit. I want a guy that's going to, you know, just get those interceptions, man. I need a guy that's a ball hog. I'll take Andre Cisco from Syracuse. Um, he's got 12 interceptions in the 22 games he's played. That's just a staggering number right there. Uh, over 60 tackles, both of these seasons that he's played. He had 65 last year, but it was just, he only played nine games. So, I mean, if he played all 12, he would have uh, pushed 90, maybe 100, you know, depending on how he did. So, 
yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take the pick machine, Cisco. Okay, so last pick here at safety. I I was planning on taking Hamza Nasruddin from Florida State just because um, he can. You know, I figured we'd have a bunch of great corners that could pretty much play man to man, so we could have Nasruddin. He can play closer to the line of scrimmage. He had over a hundred tackles last year. He's basically a hybrid linebacker. Um, but Trey Paris Ford is can lay the wood, so he he's he's a tackle machine too. So I think that maybe fills that need a little bit. So I'll I'll go coverage. I'll go Trayvon Morig from from TCU. He's he had eleven passes defended and four interceptions last year. So between uh, him and Andre Cisco, we got some ball hawks. Yeah. Okay. I considered Jacoby Stevens in this list too, but from, yeah, LSU. from LSU. But he's, you know, I mean, he's a lay the wood guy for sure. He's huge. And uh, at corner, some other guys we are, I consider at least Patrick Sertan. We didn't bring him, him up oh, yeah. right from Alabama. No, in Alabama. Yeah. He yeah. was right there. Elijah Molden at UW. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Special teams, one third of the game. Who's our kicker, Ryan? Uh, we're going to go with uh, Mr. Skiba. Nick Skiba okay. from uh, good old Wake Forest. The second Wake guy we've mentioned on this list. Uh, or Yeah, second. Uh, well, well, you did say Chaz Surratt was honorable-ish mention. No, no, Chaz Surratt, North no. Carolina. Chaz Surratt, I mean, North Carolina. Sage You're Surratt. thinking Sage Surratt. Me. Oh, yeah, Sage Surratt. Yeah, okay. Wrong Surratt. Excuse yeah. me. Sage Surratt, Carlos Basham. Now yeah. Nick Skiba. Now Nick Skiba. Um, yeah, so... You know, other than forgetting to run out on the field uh, one time, um, <laughs> he's pretty pretty spotless record as a kicker. 24 out of 25 field goals last year and hasn't missed an extra point in his career 97 times. So, you know, it's really hard to go against a guy like that. Okay. I will take a punter. I'm taking the reigning Ray Guy Award winner, Max Duffy from Kentucky. First in the country last year, 48.1 yards per punt. And the crazy thing, half of them inside the 20. That's just, that's nuts. Yeah, he's, wow. He's been awesome. Most importantly, also, he's Australian. Got to have an Australian punter. They, the, I, they just have oh, such a Aussie program rules. down there, man. It's Nebraska insane. got a Australian punter now. Good. It's the way of the world now. Yeah. All right. Um, let's look at the more fun side of special teams. The kick returner, Ryan, I know you're, you have punt returner. I'm probably, you, we could probably take the same guy here. Um, yeah. I'm probably going to steal him right, right from underneath no, you're you. Not. I'm going He's Jalen Waddle. Oh, you did. Yeah. He's bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Waddle. I mean, just put on his film in the Iron Bowl. And like we talked about earlier, him in the open field is just, he might be the best in college football. I think you mentioned that earlier, Michael. Mm-hmm. Like he just, in that Iron Bowl, he looked like the best player on the field. I know he can return punts too, Ryan. Sorry. So, but he on kick returns, he averaged an insane 35 yards per. So he's a threat to score every time he's got the ball. So, yeah, I'm still right taking there. him for punt returning. Oh, wow. So he's our <laughs> slot receiver. He's our kick returner and our punt returner. Why that's, not? Well, that's what he does, anyways. So. I know. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like we're playing him tight end and wide receiver. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I gotta go Jalen Waddle. He's was by far the best punt returner in the country. It's not even close. Twenty four yards per attempt. Like that's more crazy than the thirty five kick return yards per attempt. Who was though? There was the who was the BC guy? There was a Boston College guy. I think he led it actually in return yards, but it he didn't wasn't electric. I know. Gosh, I know from Iowa. Amir right Smith Marset's a great return guy. Yeah, he's good. Oh yeah, he is. Um, forgetting the BC guy right now. Yeah, me too. I'm going to look him up. Okay. Yeah, do that. It's not Kobe White, right? He doesn't. He's not the returner. 
All right. Return. Well, as Trey looks it up, I will thank the listeners for downloading the College Football Bros podcast. Thanks to everyone watching on YouTube. Uh, help us out. We're trying to to grow the podcast in both venues. So if you do watch on YouTube, like and subscribe. Give us a, a thumbs up. That is liking. So do do that twice, I guess. Um, uh, no comment though. That helps us out as well. And as far as the podcast, uh, leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts. It was it was Travis. Now I might butcher his name. It's either Levi or Levy. I can't remember, but I remember seeing him a couple times, and he was always just returning left and right. Granted, the you know teams were scoring on Boston College, so he would <laughs> he'd get the opportunities. But <laughs> okay, all right. Well, there you have it. Again, thanks for listening, and I'm getting uh, married this upcoming weekend, so. We're gonna be uh, we're gonna be recording a, another podcast this week that will release next week. So hopefully, no big news happens then because I'll I'm gonna take the week off after the wedding. But uh, I'll talk to you in a couple weeks when I'm a married man. I'm joining Trey and Ryan. Wow, moving on up. All right, see ya. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast. Email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros, follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros, and for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.